Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I would say I'm just very, very curious about how the world around me works and how to solve problems. So I think just being curious and trying to hone in that skill of solving problems has has gotten me to the point where I am. My name is Spree Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world here in Austin, Texas at the incredible Impact Hub. I love it here. This place is making me want to move to Austin. And I have Jennifer here with me. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, it's good to be here. Oh, I'm so I'm like As you know, I'm like super stoked on this morning. Um, Jennifer, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. My name is Jennifer Alderetta. I'm the VP of operations at a local cybersecurity startup called Threat Care. My background's kind of all over the place. I've done mechanical engineering, uh, design, front-end development, and landed at a Threat Care doing operations and marketing for them. Amazing. And when did you start your journey in becoming experienced doing operations? At this job, actually. So it was something that I had never done before. And... Yeah, I've done a lot of other things in regards to startups. I am self-taught in a lot of different areas. So operations for me was really just a new challenge to take on. And I, it's, I never saw myself in this position, but it's been amazing. And how did you get hired for a job that you weren't seasoned in? So I previously worked for Techstars. Um, there's the Techstars program ran that I worked for last year from January through April in Austin. And Threat Care was part of the 10 company cohort. And I was hired as a creative associate to be available to those 10 cohort companies in whatever capacity I could be helpful in. Right. Um, and I met the founder through that program and we started talking and realized that our values were very much in alignment. We had a lot of the same interests, a lot of the same ideas about how we wanted to build a company. So I got poached after that program ended and started on the operations path. That is so cool. Yeah. Tell us just, I know a lot of the tech community knows what Techstars is, but just in case I don't like to alienate anyone, can you give us a brief overview of what is Techstars? Yeah. And how important they are to our our, our community? Yes, they're very important. So Techstars is a global accelerator program. When I was part of the program, they were in 30 cities. I think they've since expanded, so I can't speak to exactly how many there are. But it is essentially a a three-and-a-half-month hardcore boot camp for early-stage startups to get mentorship, to uh, solidify their idea, to 
basically just get as much help with uh, getting their business up and running as they possibly can. I was made to be available to them because I, my background's a little bit all over the place. But yeah, Techstars is an amazing program and they give a lot of opportunity to early stage companies, including funding. And at the end of it, they, they have a demo day where uh, the founders go out and pitch to try to raise money. And how long did you work with Techstars? Uh, so I was there only for three and a half months. So it was for the duration of their 2017 program. Nice. It's so interesting to me the opportunity that can become available that is unpredictable. Like you're a part of this thing you, of Techstars. You didn't think, oh, I'm going to find you know my dream role by being a part of this other thing, or did mm -hmm. you? No, not at all. Um, and the way that I got into Techstars was really random as well. Um, so I, before Techstars, I was actually completely unemployed for about three and a half months because um, there was a fitness startup that I was working at that had shut down. Right. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, I, The one time in three months during that time period that I got on LinkedIn – which um, I hadn't been on in a very in quite a while. I saw an ad for the Techstars position open and realized that I knew somebody who had been an associate in the past. So I reached out to him and kind of got the ball rolling on that. And before I knew it, I was working at Techstars and something that I was super excited about because I, I love startups and you know wanted to get into more opportunities in the startup community. I guess ads work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what's interesting to me? Uh, this particular thing, ads work, but people are so obsessed with the ROI from digital ads, like any form of digital advertising. And I constantly say that you can't truly know the ROI. And this is a perfect example because you saw the ad, but then you reached out to your personal network yeah. rather than acting on the ad itself. Yep. It's like, ugh. So frustrating. Yep. I'm like, don't you understand? It's just like a billboard on Hollywood Boulevard. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. And when did you first fall in love with technology in general? So I got into technology, into the tech scene, probably around 20, 2012. Um, so I got my degree in mechanical engineering uh, from Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Go, go, go Yellow Jackets. Um, and we then, interviewed women in tech and even tech stars in Atlanta. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so born and raised in Atlanta, um, got my degree in mechanical engineering. I was working as an engineer for about two years after I graduated and during that process, I started getting interested in women's health, which was a personal issue of mine. So I've had like hormonal issues my whole life, period issues my whole yeah. life. So for anybody, like there's maybe going to be some TMI in here, but I'm very comfortable talking about that stuff. So yeah. um, we're just going to go with it. So yeah, I had period issues, hormonal issues and started looking into solutions for that on my own. And I, it kind of snowballed into doing a ton of research for that. Yeah. Um, it led me to found my own bootstrap startup based on women's health. And during that process, I self-taught front-end development, marketing. Uh, I wrote blogs. I uh, did taught myself UX, UI design. So I did pretty much a little bit of everything uh, with that startup and just fell in love with the tech community and all the ways that technology can, can help people. I mean, there's so many great startups 
in health tech and sex tech and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, one of them that I fell in love with, um, God, I'm, I'm spacing on the name, Flex. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of yes. Flex? Yes, yeah. So it's an LA startup, found them in an event. They're um, a way, like, basically it doesn't feel like you have your, it's, I don't even know, can you describe it? So I, it's essentially... Oh, yeah, that's tough. Like a cup um, you put up yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's, so it's similar to like a reusable menstrual cup, except it, I think it's one-time use. So in, instead of tampons, it, it collects the menstrual fluid in yeah. a cup, and then you empty it. So And I think you can wear it during sex and all that good yeah. stuff. So yeah, and I use it. super I, innovative. I, it is now my default in general. It's an amazing product. Um, it's just really great. It really takes away the like – hassle of yeah. uh of having having you know, anyway um but this is like tmi but i'm gonna go there anyway i have to say every month i celebrate when it's my time of month because it makes me feel healthy yeah and i know for a lot of us like we get the headaches or the stomach aches or sometimes i get something that like looks like a flu but it's not the mm-hmm. flu it's just part of you know my process but i'm just like i'm really excited that my body is working and i so it's kind of a bummer that it has the stigma of like oh it's that time of month again because i'm like yay yeah. i'm healthy yeah exactly yeah that's super random on this podcast yeah. but that's a lot of what i learned during that whole experience and starting that company is that not not enough women feel that and look to their bodies as a way to gauge the state of their health and yeah i think yeah. that's super important yeah um so moving on to more <laughs> to more what is it called like society conversations with society that are more comfortable yeah. <laughs> um okay so you fell in love with technology now did you have technology in your house growing up as a little girl i did um so my dad is actually an electrical engineer so i feel like we had certain technologies in our house probably before before they were cool, but um, I mean, we had, so he was coding before coding was really a thing. thing. Yeah. Um, So I grew up in that environment and, you know, fell in love with that. And we were, he was always very handy. My parents were always flipping houses. So I was always building stuff and creating things. And my mom was also very artistic. So having those two things, I think, was really, really important for me, um, getting engaged in in tech and realizing how cool it is to build and create and ideate and iterate on on ideas. And um, so how did you parlay growing up with technology, your own personal curiosity about how technology can better serve you and your health into a professional life? I mean, it wasn't just an ad on LinkedIn. Yeah. Where did that start? Or was it the ad on LinkedIn where it started? Let's see. Um, so I, I think when I started my company, it was really just a passion project for me. And then at some point I realized like, oh, crap, like people will actually pay for this stuff. And you know, I can help people and, you know, have a sustainable business at the same time. Um, so I think that's really what sparked my curiosity in that way and made me realize that it was it was something that I could actually do for a living and not just something that, you know, was interesting to me as a side hobby. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what sparked it. And um, once I got to a point that I was interested in moving on to new things, yeah, that, that LinkedIn ad made me realize like, oh, all right, let's do it. Like, what else can I get into? And if I remember the job titles, you were, was it the creative liaison at Techstars? It was, was creative it? associate. Creative associate. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't have experience in operations. And now tell me your exact title again. VP of operations. Yeah, VP of operations. So you're 
like you didn't have experience in operations. Now you're the VP of operations and you're self-taught in how to do that, which is telling me you were kind of just it's a tagline I go by the girl who gets it done. You were the yeah. girl who got it done yeah. for for your company, your now company. And then um, how did how do you continue to learn operations and become skilled in that? I mean. I just I find it amazing that you, you didn't know how to do operations and now that's your yeah. like that's no joke a VP of operations yeah yeah um, I would say for me I, I really um, credit the the college that I went to for that Georgia Tech is notoriously very difficult kind of like beats people into the ground with with the course load and I would say that the biggest thing I took away from that is how to learn mm. um, and how to learn well and how to adapt. So I definitely credit that with my ability to learn really quickly. And, yeah, I would say I'm I'm just very, very curious about how the world around me works and how to solve problems. So I think just being curious and just trying to hone in that skill of solving problems has, has gotten me to the point where I am. And what are some suggestions on how we could learn more effectively? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so I think one of the biggest things for me is I try to approach every problem as though it's never been solved. Right. Um, so I, I try to cast out of my mind any other solution that exists for this and try to think from the ground up. So using like a design thinking perspective, like how can I approach this problem in a completely new way to potentially create a solution that is more effective, more efficient. And I mean, that's really what operations is about is making a company run more effectively and more efficiently and creating processes that enable those things. So I, I say definitely um, approaching those problems as though I've, I've never seen it before, never seen any solutions before, definitely is super valuable. Is there any particular software you recommend to use in doing that process, or how do you chart out processes? Yeah, so we use a few. We There's a, a software that we use called PipeFi, which is really awesome. So it helps you create, like, different stages in each process. So I would... Um, Compare it almost to like a Trello board. Yeah. So you can create different Trello boards and drag things from from one um, column in the board to the other. And with PipeFi, you can create tasks or start a process and then drag an item from one stage of a process to the next, which is really, really cool and really helpful. Um, so that's something that we utilize that I, I really appreciate. And there's there's all sorts of cool things out there that I didn't realize before I got into this that help you automate tasks so that, you know, you don't... Like Zapier? Yeah, yeah. Zapier is awesome. If this, then that. Um, there's another one called Rippling that's really cool where when you're onboarding new people, you literally put their name in, put their department, and it just goes and send installs stuff on their computer that they need, gets them emails uh, sent out to get set up on payroll. It just, you set everything, set the process up and then it just goes. Rippling, PipeFi, our amazing teammate Carl will be including all these in the show notes. I know you guys probably love tools as much as I do. Any other tools? Um, Those are the big ones for us right now. Rippling, PipeFi. And what was the other one? Uh, Zapier is awesome. If this, then that is awesome. If this, then that, yeah. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> um, and so 
what is your dream? Is your dream to stay with this company ongoing? Like, what do you want for yourself? Oh, that's a that's a tough question because I'm definitely one of those people that kind of goes with the flow in, yeah. that, in that sense. Um, I definitely want to see this through, uh, whatever that may be. And, you know, it's so funny in the startup world. Yeah, Yeah. it is. And definitely want to stay with this company and grow it until it sells or IPOs, ideally. And um, I would love to become COO. And my founder and I have talked about that. So that's not just something that I'm just slyly dropping into. Like, hey there, (laughs) Women in Tech podcast. Like, are you listening? Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely... I think because I am such a curious person and I like doing so many things, this will definitely not be the last venture that I'm part of. Uh, I mean, I think our lives are always evolving and changing. Um, what what really attracts you to the company culture? Yeah, um, I would say – so when I, I first met my founder, he is – so first of What's all – What's his name? Marcus Carey. Um, So first of all, he is a total badass in the cybersecurity space. He literally came from nothing. He was born in a tiny town um, called Marlin, Texas, outside of Waco. He, you know, was the poorest kid he knew growing up, didn't have electricity. um, So he knew that education was going to be so important for him to get out of that situation. So he went into the Navy and took his aptitude tests and scored really high on them. So ended up getting into cryptography which led him work to working with the NSA. So he's a total wow. cybersecurity badass, has been in the industry for 20-plus years. But I think because of his background, he understands how important opportunity is. Yeah. And when I first met him, that was one of the big things that struck me because um, I've spent a lot of time myself thinking about, okay, if I had my own company, if I was hiring people, what kind of culture would I want to build? What kind of people would I want to hire? Right. What would my values yeah. be? And I just found that they aligned so well well with what he believed and what his values were, that that was really the biggest driver for me because I have friends that have started companies um, that, you know, have created this culture of work, 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 work. Whoever works the longest is are the ones who um, are, you know, given the raises and promotions. And I I personally believe that it creates a toxic culture in tech and that it's not friendly for you know, the single mothers, the people who don't have the opportunity to work those long hours and who do have things outside in their lives to deal with. And that was a huge draw for me. So one of the things that I've um, been tasked with at Threat Care, in addition to operations, is kind of building out that culture and um, holding us accountable to, you know, sticking with our values and building a team that is diverse and inclusive and, you know, really a really safe space for anyone, regardless of where they come from. And what does your day to day look like? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, It definitely depends on the day. I would say anything from preparing investor decks to um, sitting in on board meetings with investors to helping iterate on our sales process to uh, creating marketing materials, to taking a step back at a higher view and thinking, okay, what processes do we have in place? What processes do we need to have in place to operate smoothly when we get to 50, 100, 200, 500 people? And how can we start putting those things in place now or laying the foundation for those things now to make things easier for us in the future. And one thing I forgot to ask is how big is the company? So we are currently at 
12 full-time employees. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah. Where where was the company when they were in Techstars? So let's see. They had they were at 7, but we've gone through some uh some growing pains. So we we've, we've definitely had slimmed the team down at one point. I think at our smallest point we were at 4 four people um, and have since gotten bigger. So, And was it, it's Threat Care, right? Was yes. it always called Threat Care? So it was actually V-Threat previously. Um, threat Care, the Threat Care rebrand happened during Techstars. I think it's it a great name. during Techstars. Yeah. yeah. And what have you seen evolve or challenges the rise going from a small team to a seven team to a, uh, to a three, three-ish team mm-hmm. or four team to a 12 team? That shifts the culture or communication processes or, I mean, what have you noticed? What have you learned from that that we could learn as well? Yeah, I would say the biggest takeaways that we've had to maintaining a culture and maintaining motivation and um, enthusiasm during those processes of transition are definitely transparency. That is one of our core values as we tell our people everything. We tell them if we're going out to raise money, how much money we're going to raise, what our burn rate is, how much runway we have, um, what positions we're hiring for. Um, We debrief them after board meetings that we have. We want everybody to be included. We we don't want to be one of those companies where people just wonder what's going on or feel that something's going on but aren't really aware of it. So being transparent is something that has been really important for us and helps people understand why certain decisions are being made or why we're doing certain things instead of just, you know, feeling like they're being blindly led in in some direction. Um, So transparency is definitely a really big one. And also just we're very people focused um, and believe that, you know, we just want to hire the best people. We want to hire people that don't look like us, don't come from back the backgrounds that we come from. And that has created a really, really great culture. And regardless of what size we are, as long as we live by those values and want to be inclusive and diverse and transparent with our people, we found that that has been so valuable for us. What are some of the takeaway lessons that you've learned in being part of investor meetings and raising money, Something, some tools that you could, and insights you could give us so that we could be better at it too? Yeah. So something that I'm constantly reminded of that I think as a founder or as somebody who does um, interact with investors and VCs is that they really just want to help you. And I think it's easy to forget that and it's easy to feel like – they're trying to tell you what to do or that, you know, they don't understand your business. But being honest with them and open with them about what issues you're facing, especially if they've already invested in your company, is so invaluable because they just want to help. They want your company to be successful in the same way that you do. And leaning on them is not a sign of weakness and is, is only going to help make your company stronger. And what's a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and what did you learn from it and how did you overcome it? That's a great question. Um, I would say the times that we have had to slim I, and I, I try to think of a nice word for firing yeah, people, sucks. slim down yeah. teams. Because and it may not even be because they were inefficient or bad. It exactly. Just, if legit, if a company can't afford to pay you, it can't afford to yeah. pay you. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to build a smart, sustainable business model yeah. that people pay or you have the right investors or whatever it is. Because if there's no money, 
There's yeah. no people. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's definitely something, a, a lesson that I would say we've had to learn the hard way is that, yeah, in, in the cases that we've had to do that, it's not because those people aren't amazing. It's because you're in this weird interesting spot where, you know, we're trying to do what's right by the people that we work for, but we yeah. also have a responsibility to keep the company alive and make sure it's sustainable right. and make sure that it's successful. So right. balancing those two things can be really tricky, um, which in those cases, transparency has come in, has been so big for us. Yeah. And anytime we've slimmed down staff, we sit everybody down, we tell them, you know, like, why, why did this happen? Like, where do we go from here? Um, but yeah, I would say just being really smart and trying to look forward as much as you can and thinking like, okay, what is the absolute worst case scenario of this situation and how do I prevent that from happening has been, has been really valuable. But yeah, I I would say slimming down teams has been something that has been very painful, but in the long run has helped the company be more successful because we're able to operate on a smaller budget and you know we we need to yeah that's that's a responsibility that we have to to our employees is to keep the company alive what's this is a little bit of a sensitive question but what's one thing that comes to mind when thinking about slimming down that you're like the reason like this is no longer going to be the right fit is because of xyz like what's a top metric that you're looking for like or or a culture match or mm-hmm. or a, a deliverable like what is that kind yeah. of that key indicator that you're like huh i think i need to reevaluate this relationship if you don't mind yeah, me asking yeah. i think it's important i would say that that the answer to that question would probably depend on um which which you know, like who the employee is, what the circumstances are. But um, I would say with certain things at a higher level, we have to think about, okay, what when we do when we are slimming down a team or when when things like that have happened, what skills do we have on the team? And, you know, what skills do the leadership have that, you know, that maybe are also duplicated elsewhere Mm, and duplication? Yeah. So like duplication of skills is really big for us. So could could I be doing a job that somebody else is currently right. doing. And, um, you know, sometimes that has been the case and, and that's part of where, where that decision comes in. Um, I would say too, at least in terms of culture fit, one, one of the really big things that we ask ourselves when we're reevaluating or evaluating people for the first time is, would I work for this person? Mm. So we, after every would interview. Would I work for them? Yeah. That's a, I've never heard that yeah. before. After every interview that we've done, we sit down internally and ask ourselves that question. And that more often than not has led to hiring really great people. Wow. That's great. And we talked about tools a little bit, which is always my favorite part. It's like a hobby of mine to like find cool software. But what books have you really liked, both professional and mm. and personal? Oh, okay. Um, so we actually live by a book at our company called The Four Agreements. So I hear it come up so many times. Really? Yeah. If you haven't read it or if anybody else hasn't read it, it's amazing. Um, so the four – there's actually five agreements, but there's two separate books, a book called The Four Agreements and a book called The Fifth Agreement. The agreements are to be impeccable with your word, which means to speak with integrity and to say exactly what you mean. Don't beat around the bush. Uh, don't take anything personally. So if somebody gives you feedback, criticism, it's not an attack on your character – 
So to keep that in mind is really important. Um, don't make assumptions. So if you have a question or if you're not sure about something, ask instead of assuming that you know the answer because in a lot of cases we don't know what other people are thinking or why they made decisions that they made. And then always do your best. And your best is going to change from moment to moment, from day to day, from hour to hour. But as long as you're as you're doing that, you can be proud of the work that you're doing. And a really powerful statement. I feel like this is my best right now. Yeah. Because exactly. that could totally fluctuate. Like if – if you're run down, your best right now is to rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we found that if we keep those things in mind and if we hold ourselves accountable um, to living by those agreements, that we have a really solid culture and we do our best work. Um, and, yeah, that, that's that's been really important for us. So that, that book has been awesome and um, was actually recommended by one of our, our salespeople and we ended up adopting it as, as a part of our culture. If someone wanted to get into operations now that doesn't have any experience and didn't go to your Atlanta University, mm-hmm. um, wh- what would you recommend? What's a pathway for them to have the same job that you have? Yeah. Um, I would say for sure is getting into like being an office manager um, because they – have to know how everything runs. They are in charge of so many different things. So if you're literally just starting out, wanting to get on the operations path, don't have experience, um, I I believe that being an office manager is something that any intelligent person, like any smart driven person can be really successful at. Um, And that's a really, really great way, especially at a small company, to climb up the chain very quickly. Perfect. I loved having you on the podcast. Um, How can people connect with you? Uh, So you can connect with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is jaldoretta. Um, you can, can you spell it? Yes. Uh, J-A-L-D-O-R-E-T-T-A. Um, you can email me at jaldoretta at gmail.com. Um, you can visit my website at jenniferalderetta.com and reach out to me there. Awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the Women yeah, in Tech podcast. Really awesome. Yay! If you want to connect with more extraordinary women in tech, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will talk to you guys. See you guys. Hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. This is Jennifer Alderetta, VP of Operations at ThreatCare, helping companies build, measure, and maintain their cybersecurity. We're based in Austin, Texas, and you're listening to Women in Tech. Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. 
Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.